scripture is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. can be found in your Bible in the New Testament, page 119. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Paul was transformed when he encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. The picture we get of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts is one who is very hostile to the Christian movement. He's present at the death of Stephen, the very first Christian leader to lose their life for the sake of the faith. Stephen was condemned to be put to death by stoning. And the apostle and Paul holds the coats of the men who carry out that execution. Paul then goes from home to home throughout the city of Jerusalem, arresting and imprisoning those who follow Jesus. And after wreaking havoc on the church in Jerusalem, he goes to the high priest requesting a letter that would authorize him to go to the synagogues of Damascus that he might arrest and bring Christians back to Jerusalem for imprisonment. When I think of the Apostle Paul behaving in that way before his conversion, I see someone who's desperate. He's obsessed. He wants to blot out the Christian movement. Perhaps he's motivated out of desperation because he does not want to see his religion change. Perhaps he's threatened and frightened that all that he knows is slipping away. 
He's acting out of desperation. And when I think of Paul acting out of desperation and out of fear, I remember those times in my own life when I have felt desperate and fearful. And I remember the things that I do when I'm desperate and fearful are not always things I'm proud of, not always things that I should have done. I think United Methodism is at such a place right now as a denomination. The press has not been good for us, at least if you have a progressive point of view that, that I do. The Judicial Council upheld the very negative rulings of our recent General Conference. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that really nothing has changed. Those who have written punitive legislation have always had the votes to enact whatever legislation they choose to. They've always had enough votes to pass the legislation, but they've never had enough votes to enforce it. See, given the strange structure of the United Methodist Church and the integrity of each area, the General Conference can pass its rules, but if there are progressive bishops in progressive areas who choose to ignore those rules, there's nothing that can be done. It's a bit like a, a police officer from the state of Maine cannot stop you in New Hampshire for violating a traffic law. There's integrity to our boundaries. So in that sense, nothing has really changed except we've said horrible things, horrible things that have hurt people, and it's important for those of us who have a different point of view to speak our word, to stand up for our own experience and our own understanding of God. And maybe, maybe on a personal level, Maybe someone who's hearing these words for other reasons is, finds themselves in a place of desperation and you find yourself acting frantically, driven by fear, driven by confusion. Well, something happened to Paul. While he was in the midst of this frantic pace, going to Damascus to act on these frantic impulses, God intervenes. He sees something like a light. He hears a voice. And in that voice, he discovers a deeper truth, a truth that calms him down, that comforts him, a truth that redirects his life, a truth that makes him whole.
Well, I think those things are happening all across our denomination. Faithful people are gathering together in different places to say, how do we continue to live with integrity? How do we remain faithful? And uh, I follow those conversations, and I hope you will follow them as well. I am hopeful for who we are. But you know, when I think of the Apostle Paul, I get this image of a cocoon. You know, he goes off to Damascus filled with great intentions, filled with, with a purpose. But he doesn't enter the city of Damascus the way he thought he would. Rather than going in with power and authority to persecute, he's led by the hand from the very people he was trying to oppress. The picture we get of the Apostle Paul at the close of this passage is one who is somewhat helpless, who's unable to see, who's unable to eat or to drink. And were it not for the kindness of the Christian community that surrounded him, he would have been in great trouble. And while he's in that cocoon, while he's being held safe, a transformation occurs in his spirit. He stops being angry. He stops being driven by frantic emotions. And a new identity is formed in his spirit. The one who tried to obliterate the Christian faith, becomes its chief spokesman. He arises in the city of Damascus as one of peace, as one of love. Perhaps you and I, as we sit here in this sanctuary today, as we come we can be a cocoon for one another. We can be the place where a new vision for what it means to be faithful is born. A new hope for our lives unfolds. Yes, Paul was transformed on the road to Damascus when the gracious word of the risen Christ transformed his anger, his desperation, and his fear into something more. And it is my hope and my prayer that for each one of us, whatever has us frantic or desperate might be comforted by the risen Christ in a new way can emerge a new way of faithfulness. Amen.